I'll start this satsang. Namaste and greetings to all of you who are now present online or who will see this satsang at a later date. I'm very happy to be again together with the Agama community, even in this format online without seeing you in front of me and without feeling your energy, your feedback, only from such a great distance. <clears throat> this is the first satsang in the beginning of a season. Now the meaning of seasons is probably going to change a little bit. We are going to see how the following weeks and months will uh, unfold in terms of our uh, yoga teaching, in terms of our spiritual teaching. But um, we start already at this time. We will uh, be interrupted from um, this series of satsangs during the Christmas and New Year retreat, which is going to happen for all those of you who wish to meditate at such auspicious times. And um, usually in the beginning of each season, I don't start with the big uh, themes which I am unfolding. I stopped my last satsang given to the world and to the Agama community, still uh, debating, still explaining things from the Gospel of Luke on the actions and teachings of Jesus. But uh, in the beginning, I want always to make a little bit an update, uh, reconnecting with people, uh, debating or reminding again some of the great ideals that unite us in uh, spirituality. And um, thus, I would like to make this first satsang uh, about reconnecting to you all and um, about redefining our spiritual relationship via Agama. That's why I think it would be probably best to start with a little bit of um, looking back at the year which has passed and which, uh, as everybody will agree, has been a highly unusual, highly uh, different year from many other years that we had in our school. And um, it would be definitely worth it mentioning, referring, first of all, at the very special astrological configurations which generate some of the environmental energies that are present in the world at this time. And um, we all know that we have witnessed 10 astrological configurations since 2018, when our school has been going through quite uh, disturbing events, very negative 
forces manifesting. And uh, these astrological configurations have had a resurgence in uh, the year 2020. We thought in 2018 that we are never going to see six or seven planets in the retrograde movement out of eight planets that can ever be in the retrograde movement. And we were wrong. Actually, this year, we again had six and even seven planets in retrograde movements, even two times over. And thus, uh, it seems that from 2018 to 2020, we have had a whole cycle of these heavy negative energies, which uh, you're going to say, what does it uh, mean? It means that uh, the environment can sometimes generate these uh, toxic energies, which are showering over humanity and over the planet Earth. And automatically, this will make that human beings who are confronted with their own evolution, with their own problems, with their own existential challenges, uh, if subjected to additional energies which are heavy or counterproductive, then it's like uh, navigation through the ocean of the world, through the ocean of samsara, becomes even more difficult. And uh, thus, uh, human beings sometimes will get more angry, more frustrated, more depressed, more sad, because of this often uh, take uh, more bitter decisions, take uh, uh, even wrong decisions from a karmic and uh, divine standpoint. And that's why uh, we can say that we have witnessed two years, three years of um, particular hardships. It seems very much that in 2021, many of these... Uh, pressures are being relieved. So um, we can see a light in the end of the tunnel. Um, but on the other hand, of course, the traces, the after effects, the uh, suffering caused by such toxic energies can still be seen. We have seen this not only in our school, where we have seen so many people losing their spiritual path, losing their aspiration, losing their clarity. But we have seen it in many other spiritual schools across the world, and we have seen it in many other alternative places. And of course, we have seen it in the world politics, in the world economy, in the world uh, generally in the planetary life that at all levels uh, we have had the manifestation of something heavy. Just to start with this, which is a background thing, you can say, well, human beings can stand against these influences. Yes, human beings can theoretically stand against such influences, but very seldom they actually do. And uh, when they do, it takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of determination, takes a lot of willpower to stand against these challenges. That's why I hope in a certain way it is relieving for many of you to know 
that what has happened to you and to those near you has been determined by some negative energies in the environment, and also to know that in a very short while, uh, these energies will change and they will relieve. And uh, thus, many of these external pressures will uh, subside, will disappear, will diminish at least. So um, we started with a bigger environment, which is there, and it would be incomplete to talk about 2020. Even we as yogis and as a yoga school have been influenced without um, mentioning the emergence of this uh, virus crisis that has driven the whole world berserk, bananas. And um, we have seen it, we have experienced it, we have felt it under different forms in Agama, in the life of yoga. I want to remind all of you that in the beginning of this crisis, we can call it a crisis, although some people say it's a fake crisis, it's a phony crisis, it is induced uh, artificially, but nevertheless, for the people, it has constituted a crisis because different steps have been taken in the world, in the society, about travel, about other and other restrictions. And therefore, even if the crisis may be, to a large extent, falsified, nevertheless, in real life, as soon as you get out of your house, you can see it around that people consider it to be a crisis. And willy-nilly, it will affect you one way or another. So, in the beginning of this crisis, I was asked by the students from Agama to give a conference, to give a presentation, somewhere in March, if I remember correctly, where I gave a presentation about how to deal with the strengthening of the immune system, how to deal with viruses in general, and how to approach this challenge from a yogic standpoint. I hope you have seen that lecture. If not, you can see it, uh, try to find it and see it again, because what has been said at that time is still valid at this present time. It has not changed even with the various uh, factors which have emerged. Everything which has, said, has been said there is still useful for you and can be used uh, in the present circumstances and in other circumstances which are challenging to your health and uh, to your well-being. Um, however, it's a long time since March, and now through the force of events, without speculating with conspiracy theories and other such things, we can bring a lot of updates. Um, I'm interested in these updates not because I'm interested to make some... Uh, conspiracy theory, or because I'm interested to make some story, but uh, mostly for you, for those of you who want to lead a yogic lifestyle, an alternative lifestyle, um, holistic medical lifestyle, and others, just to see, to take into account some of the factors which influence what is happening in this so-called coronavirus crisis. 
First of all, a lot of question marks have been raised about the origins of this virus. If it is a natural virus resulting from a natural mutation with a Chinese bat or monkey or whatever it was, or if it is a laboratory creation, a man-made creation, which of course is a very important uh, distinction to make because something which is created by nature is always curable by nature, while some things which may be created in a laboratory artificially, synthetically, uh, they may be much more problematic to deal with from a natural standpoint. In yoga, in alternative medicine, we always try to deal with such health challenges in a natural way. It is a way beyond the scope of this satsang that I should start analyze now all the implications which have been outlined. It is very, very strange that if there are out there suspicions that this could be a laboratory virus which has been uh, inadvertently escaped in the world or intentionally released in the world, and this would constitute indeed one of the most severe accusations of genocide or using uh, weapons of mass destruction in the history of this uh, world. And uh, it is very strange that uh, at the level of the authorities and those who maintain a certain political correctness, uh, this thing is not investigated more seriously. Uh, it's like, hey, okay, whatever it was, now we're dealing with it. Well, it's not as simple as that. And uh, I just want to show from the very beginning that concerning this virus theme, there is a lot of ignorance being uh, there. Either it's a deliberate ignorance kept cloaking the truth, or if it is an ignorance because human beings are incapable to focus more than 15 seconds like the goldfish in a bowl on some particular theme, you know, then uh, people are distracted from uh, something which is very relevant, very important. The second thing is that it has been demonstrated ever since March or April that the testing of the virus is, a com is to a large extent a hoax and a false hysterical thing. If when very soon I'm traveling back to Thailand, because momentarily I am not in Thailand, I'm broadcasting from Europe. When I go back to Thailand, I am obliged to perform at least three times the famous PCR test. The discoverer of the PCR test who got the Nobel Prize for discovering the PCR process for testing proteins which could reveal viruses has declared before his uh, convenient death not long time ago, he has declared that the PCR test cannot and should not be used for identifying or for measuring viruses because it cannot do that properly. 
authorities, like for example, the Thai authorities, which will most probably test me as entering their country, they will make me take the PCR test three times over, once before getting into the airplanes and two times while I'm in Thailand. While it is considered that the PCR test is not saying anything because the PCR test is measuring some proteins and those proteins don't say anything or almost anything about the coronavirus. Those proteins, first of all, belong to other coronaviruses as well. So they can measure only if you have one of the coronaviruses from the family of 19 viruses or how many there are until now. And two, those proteins are amplified by a process of multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. And if you multiply them 20 times, nobody has coronavirus. And if you multiply them 35 times, everybody has coronavirus. So what does the test say? It depends on the laboratory, how much, how many times they decide to multiply the cycle of those proteins. And it doesn't say you've got the corona, the COVID-19. And it's completely a matter of the, lab, the laboratory person, how they multiply it. There have been anecdotal stories with, I don't know, a great football player, a great soccer player from the European divisions who made two tests and in the right nostril he got positive, and in the left nostril he got negative. Others who made four tests and they got two positives, two negatives. That's why uh, not only that we have very strange doubts about the origins of this virus and what it really is, but when it comes to testing, the virology, the epidemiologists, they don't know much about how to test this virus. And this has prompted um, conspiracy researchers like the famous David Icke, you can verify many videos on his site on davidike.com, to simply state that basically, scientifically, you cannot even demonstrate the existence of this virus. A whole crisis of one year with bankruptcies and so many restrictions, but actually, strictly scientifically speaking, there is not a test which can 100% identify this virus. And there are a few other factors that the virus has to be identified, concentrated, focused. Um, there are a few terms in virology that what you have to do to be able to localize a virus and to deal with it. And those things, although we are on the brink of having a vaccine, and today I hear that people have been vaccined in the United Kingdom in England already, nevertheless, the basic things for the identification of the virus have not been done in any scientific bulletin or magazine or study. That's why it looks that even these things with uh, identifying a virus and other things, they are done politically in a haste. Uh, and this testing of the virus is a joke. We all know that there is a poor record in the virology. Uh, for example, we who live in Thailand, 
we are confronted on a daily basis with a notorious dengue fever, with the virus of the dengue. The dengue virus has no vaccine, no prevention, except if you don't get bitten by the little mosquitoes, which is takes a special lifestyle to avoid that. And there is no cure, there is no remedy for the dengue virus. And the dengue virus has been known for 50 years. And still, virology cannot do anything about it. You all remember, of course, the HIV, which in the 80s was given like the doomsday the doomsday factor of humanity is going to be the death of humanity. Until today, there is no vaccine against HIV. There is no real cure against HIV. So if these two viruses, which are notorious and known since so many years, not to mention many, many others, the Zika virus, the many types of flu which change every year, new things appear and so on, then what do we know scientifically? How much do we know and how can we expect that uh, virologists will make a miracle in nine months or in 12 months and will create finally a a vaccine and when we have that vaccine, we are going to be saved? It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, And thus, um, I, in yoga... I would advise you to look, uh, by the way, of the lecture which I delivered in March 2020 about what to do. I would advise you to look at the traditional knowledge about viruses. What did Tibetan medicine do about viruses in the centuries before modern medicine? What did Ayurveda say about viruses? Which were the measures which were used at that time, because there exists an esoteric knowledge about viruses in which viruses are considered to be a form of demonic possession. The viruses are considered to be the physical cells, the physical body of demonic entities. So when a demon enters in, when a virus enters in your body and cohabitates a hundred million cells in your body and turns them into virus cells, that's actually like a state of possession. And in Tibetan villages, they used forms of exorcism, forms of meditation and purification for keeping the viruses at bay. The fact that humanity is periodically affected by a virus or other similar, similar, not identical, microorganisms and it gets into epidemics of different kinds, this shows us that there is a subtle influence. There are esoteric factors, there are karmic factors, there are impurities, there is diminishing or weakening of the immune system of the human beings, and everything is part of a much larger picture. Therefore, From the very beginning, when people asked me about this, I told them it will not be possible for the modern science to stop the virus. Because to stop the virus, there are forces at play which are much bigger than the fact that you quarantine people into a house and people are going to wear some mask which is made of toilet paper 
it has been discovered that if you make a mask out of toilet paper, it's more efficient than the medical masks which are being sold in shops today. Toilet paper, good brands, three-layer toilet paper, is more efficient than the masks which are sold in supermarkets today in Europe. They are honestly, there are people who prefer to wear some toilet paper around their nose simply because it's more efficient. So we can see that there is a public hysteria about this virus thing, but unfortunately this public, this collective hysteria is given a free hand and that's why many, many absurd things are happening in the name of it. Also, People who have studied it, and I've seen reports from doctors from Europe, various countries, from United States and others, they also are very controversial about the mortality of this virus. Is this virus much more deadly than flu? No, apparently not. There are many, many medical sources which give it as being comparable or even less deadly than flu. I have had people contradicting me on this, and that's why I don't want to go into an argument. There is a very simple demonstration which can be done, and that is by studying the death statistics in the end of each year. In the end of every year, every civilized nation has an institute of national statistics which shows how many people have died in that year. And I am challenging you. I've studied it in the country where I was born, and in the country where I was born in the last 20 years, every year, 250,000 plus minus 10,000 people are dying. If in the end of this year, we will have much more or much less, then we will be able to say that the COVID-19 has made a difference. If in the end of this year, we still have 250,000 people that have died in this country, then we are talking nonsense because it means that the people who had to die in 2020, they died in 2020 for a reason or another. It would be ridiculous to presume that, ah, oh, blasted, if there wouldn't have been this blasted COVID-19, we would have had a very small number of deaths in the country this year. It's not plausible. Everybody knows. We have to die. People have to die, but humanity has become very attached to the physical body, very much afraid of death, very materialistic. And because of this, now everything which brings a threat to the life is treated as a collective hysteria. Until now, nobody has found a method of stopping death from occurring. There is only spirituality which says that people can reach a form of spiritual immortality. And in extremely, extremely rare cases, there are rumors about the diamond body, the rainbow body traditions, which speak even about the physical immortality, but those are like one person in 500 years in a nation or something like that. And that's why, uh, basically, death is inevitable. And everybody should stoically live with that. And I guess that anybody who would study honest statistics will see if in the year 2020, 
many more people have died than they ought to have died. If we have exactly the same number who have died in that year, then we just realize that nature is following its course, no? because we had many, 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 many more people dying during the First World War or the Second World War or some other, during the Black Plague in the medieval times, in the Middle Ages, and so on. There you could see a spike. You could see that that year, indeed, there has been an epidemic or an event which has killed much, much more people than would have died normally. But if in the end of this year, in your country, the statistics show pretty much the same number of people which have died in 2019, and 18, and 17, and 16, and 15, then what are we talking about? What are we talking about? No, we are not talking about anything unnatural or exaggerated. That's why I say that there is an inflated hype about this COVID-19, and uh, I'm sure that some people have taken advantage. I hear from different sources that billions and trillions of dollars have been lost and gained during uh, this year, during these months, and uh, therefore some people have simply profited from the human fear and from the hysteria and from uh, all the drama which is happening around. I have looked around and I have seen a lot of irresponsible journalists like newspapers publishing uh, crazy photos from Italy or other places claiming that they have identified tons of dead people and the photos were from a wrecked ship, from a cruise ship, which has sunk and killed hundreds of people some five years ago, like fake photos, fake journalism, irresponsible journalism just for the hype of it. I have seen politicians under pressure that the politicians don't want to say that, uh, oh, they haven't done enough for their country. And then uh, they pretend that they do some moonwalking. They shuffle around a lot pretending how much they care about people and how much they have done. We have seen in England where they try to follow the Swedish model to create uh, herd immunity or something like this. And then a month later, the prime minister abandoned it in a panic and they started behaving politically correct and uh, you know, doing all the pharmaceutical and medical things. On the other hand, there are a few countries which have taken the soft approach to the virus and nobody is talking about them in the news to give the numbers in the end of the year to see if they succeeded and how they succeeded and not. Some of them are very politically incorrect countries like the Belarus and other such uh, weird places. And we have seen medics, doctors with agendas, some of them wanting more money for research, some of them wanting more attention, some of them vying for power, like telling to people what to do, you should all wash your hands and do this and listen to me and so on. And uh, some of them simply being subjected to corruption, to pharmaceutical uh, industry and so on. Uh, I'm not going to go into conspiracy because conspiracy authors just go to davidike.com and others like them. Uh, you're going to see that they are outline many, many other factors in which uh, they simply show that acquiescing to this pressure from the authorities who treat you like a slave 
because this thing that you don't let me do this and that is actually a form of fascism. The definition of fascism is when the government, when the state is going into your personal life and forbidding you to do the fundamental rights, the right to association, the right of movement, the right of other things. When the government says you cannot move, you cannot do, you cannot do, that is fascism. And uh, although, uh, you know, we uh, think we live in a free world, in such circumstances we have seen that we live into a form of fascism where the governments and the states have disproportionate power to impose on people. Theoretically, after such events clarify, every parliament in every world should vote a law by which politicians should be forbidden to have such power. They should not be given such power in their hands because they are misusing it and taking the freedoms and the liberties of people. But anyway, if you want to go into the social, political, human society events or uh, implications of what has been happening this year, there are plenty of those there. Unfortunately, as the last leg of this COVID-19 adventure, vaccination is presented as a solution, and that is false. I personally have read at least three books and I have seen at least 10, which I did not read, but I kind of brushed through them. And I have on my hard drive at least 10 documentaries, which speak about the how much vaccination is a totally idiotic solution. And that it may work in the case of some deadly diseases like rabies or others. But to use vaccination as a solution for the regular flu or for uh, corona in this case, or for others, is a complete nonsense because it produces a suppression and this suppression has a horrible effect on your immune system. And it basically, what it does is that it pushes the negative energies which are related to the disease, it pushes them inside your being. So instead of manifesting them as fever, vomiting and other things, you are suppressing them and they go in your soul and in your mind. I just want to remind to you a statistics which was known 20 years ago, by which it was known that in America, the Amish community, which refuses vaccination on a regular basis, had more than 10 times less cases of autism, of autism, in their community than the rest of the United States. And of course, the pharmaceutical industry said, oh, it has nothing to do with the vaccines. But most of the alternative, most of the holistic doctors, they claim very clearly that that's precisely the cause. So if you take a vaccine, uh, it might not have a physical effect. Like you say, oh, it did nothing to me. It didn't kill me. It didn't uh, make my right arm go paralyzed or something. But what if you or your children are becoming children that will be born out of your body three years later? What if you or your descendants are going to become 25% more close to autism, like have your soul and mind deranged? That's why I definitely want to state here that uh, 
vaccination is not a solution. And that's why the solution is, the, as a conclusion, first of all, your immunity is essential. The immune system is strengthened by challenges. There are immunity developers, like just to take the most simple, which comes to mind, which I used in the March lecture, garlic. Garlic is uh, unpleasantly tasting sometimes. Some people love it, of course. Uh, spice, which is boosting your immunity. So does Sahaja Agnisara Dauti. So does Mayurasana and Vrishchikasana. So do many, many other things. Uh, herbs, plants, foods, and uh, exercises from yoga and from other traditions. That's why uh, the most important thing is not to avoid confronting Mother Nature and run and hide yourself like uh, this super billionaire from America. I forgot his name, which was played by Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie. Uh, you know, the billionaire who built crazy airplanes and so on, oil mogul, who was living in a sterile room for the last 20 years of his life and never shaking hands with anybody, living with rubber gloves and so on, just because he was paranoid about viruses and about bacteria and other things. If you go into that direction, your life becomes a caricature and your life becomes like you're going into a dead end and now you are living with a fear that you will uh, be confronted. But you have to be confronted with viruses, bacteria, and microorganisms. And your immune system is designed by Mother Nature to deal with them, to cope with them. That's why, first of all, rethink again your immunity, because the solution is not to run away. All the authorities who, in a fascistic way, they tried to lock people in the house and to kind of isolate people from the virus, they discovered already by now that actually you cannot stop airborne viruses like this corona who exists or doesn't exist is. And that's why now they are crossing fingers, all of them, that maybe the vaccine will be the solution. So the virus cannot be stopped. And the next virus which will appear, because you can be sure there will appear new and new viruses, they will not be able to be stopped by this medical paranoia and isolating everybody in a bubble somewhere. We have to grow together with Mother Nature and develop our system, be part of Mother Nature, be integrated. On the other hand, as a yogi, I want to call your attention to the fact that this is a karmic phenomenon. Don't forget how many animals are being slaughtered. Don't forget how much jungle and nature is being destroyed every day. Don't forget how much violence there is, wars, violent revolutions, social violence, and others. And therefore, uh, you cannot fight with karma. As long as humanity is accumulating negative karma, there will always, the universe will always find a way of punishing people, of getting back at people, either natural cataclysms or epidemics or whatever it is. That's why the solution is for people to perform a little bit of karmic management. Manage your negative karma production so that you avoid being a target like this.
I would tell to everybody because this year gave us a lot of um, time to meditate. I personally have had a lot of uh, private time where I could just sit and contemplate on the different issues related to the human life, to the universe. And um, I would say that uh, these typical signs of Kali Yuga, the fact that the negative energies are so big and people are so gullible and people are so easy to manipulate and all this fascistic intervention of the authorities, they become tighter and tighter and we become less and less free. Our freedom of movement and others are impeded into such an, to such an extent that automatically I would say that this should give to everybody an impulse of focusing on your spiritual aspirations. To me, of course, there is always the possibility that a savior of humanity will be born, that heroes will be there, that there will be some freedom movements or some other things. But I think uh, the only real freedom, the last freedom, is the spiritual freedom, the fact that nobody can take that from you. And that's why I warmly advise those of you who have an aspiration for spirituality to trust into that to focus into your spiritual aspiration. This uh, epidemic gives you the time, gives you the isolation that you need for being able to go into your spiritual exploration, into your spiritual discovery. And thus, um, I think we as yogis, we are privileged. Many people ask me, uh, Swamiji, did you feel uh, alone? Or, no, not at all. No, in all this time, I have uh, felt wonderful because wonderfully I had the time to read, meditate, contemplate, do some creativity in terms of spirituality and other such things. That's why I advise you to take the only real freedom, which is the freedom of spiritual evolution, which nobody and nothing can take away from you, because this is given from the divine consciousness. It's the Dharma, which comes from the divine consciousness, and this is inalienable. Wherever you are, however you are, you can always focus on your spiritual discipline, on your spiritual aspiration. And I think this is an excellent time. Concerning Agama and what we plan to do, what we have done and what we plan to do in the future. Now, okay, this coronavirus crisis will not last forever as much as uh, they procrastinated and so on. And probably in one month, two months, three months, six months, it will be more or less over. And thus, um, we have to look way beyond that when we deal with our things. But um, it is uh, good for me to remind all of you that one important step has happened with Agama already. A lot of the Agama activity has gone online. 
because very few people had the possibility to stay in Kopangan in Thailand to be physically present to our activities. And also even fewer people had the possibility to travel to Thailand, which for all these months has been pretty much a closed country, a locked down country. And thus, the only solution for you to be in touch with us and for us to be in touch with you has been our contact online. Fortunately, the technology has gone to the level where this, as this, as you can see now, becomes easily, nicely possible. Um, it is also amazing that Agama found a team of people who had the knowledge, the opening to go into this direction so that now a lot of the Agama activities are happening online. And uh, it seems that even though travel and tourism and everything will become open again, a lot of the activity of Agama <coughs> will stay online. And this is fantastic because many people often complain that they didn't have the time, that they didn't have the money to travel for extended durations of time to Thailand or to other such exotic places and to commit themselves there to exclusive spiritual practice. Now, Agama is coming to your house with its online presence. If, if your spiritual aspiration is not enough even to benefit from this, then it means that the problem was not the time and the money and other things, but the, that there existed always internal processes, internal conflict. I, for one, as well as the advanced teachers of Agama, we still prefer the direct transmission. I know that there are a few people in front of me. I can see some symbols on my screen that there are people who attend this satsang. But um, when I am uh, within distance to people and I can feel their energy and they can feel the energy which I'm generating here in the room and we can give feedback to each other, this direct transmission is traditional ever since the history of spirituality has started. And because of this, uh, we prefer it. So, of course, we would prefer to see you at a time or another, to see you in Thailand, to see you in the yoga school, to see you taking some time so that you can be physically present there and that you can commit yourself to practice. But on the other hand, we hope that if Agama can come in your homes via the internet, then... Uh, if you have this spiritual aspiration, I hope we can be with you. We will organize systems of uh, receiving your questions and answering your questions so that our uh, interaction can be alive and that you can have some spiritual guidance where you are in a way in which you are. For example, we will hold the Christmas and New Age retreat, both physically and online. I myself will be online during uh, doing lectures and meditations. 
and some of the people will be physically together in Kopangan. If in your country, wherever you are, if you can find a friend or two and make a small group and be physically together with them, that would also encourage your practice and be a factor of commitment and seriousness. But uh, remember, we meditate for Christmas and New Year, especially we meditate for the New Year's night, and we are not going to stop that this year. This year, we are still going to be here. I'm still going to be online together with Muktananda and the other senior teachers and staff from Agama, and we are going to do meditation because that depends not on flu viruses, that depends not on public hysteria, that is something which we do as a spiritual practice. We also have, if you look on the calendar, we have an exciting season with great teachings, great courses, great workshops, great other activities. Of course, we hope to see you physically in Kopangan, so you do them physically directly there by presence, but don't forget starting with this year, there is the huge opportunity that you can be connected online. Let your friends know. Let the people who have been in Agama and who are longing for some of the spiritual influence from here know and uh, connect. If you cannot come travel physically this year or next year to Thailand, at least connect yourself as often as possible to satsangs, to Q&As, to meditations, to retreats and other activities. And in this way, keep the flame alive, keep the flame of your spiritual involvement alive. Send us your questions, send us your requests. And uh, ultimately, this is our Dharma. My Dharma and the Dharma of the advanced teachers from Agama is that we teach, we teach, what Shiva has given to us, which is the treasure of yoga, the treasure of tantric yoga, the treasure of Kashmiri Shaivism, the treasure of spirituality in general. We are practical people. We like to not only talk, but do practical things about it, act on it, both with asanas, pranayama, physical activities like mudras, kriyas, and as well with meditation, the use of the mind, with uh, bhakti yoga, kirtan, bhajan, and the other activities. And that's why I think that this um, hurdle, that this hiatus, which existed both in Agama and in the world for this year, I think it actually is an impetus from God for a step forward. And one of the major aspects of this step forward is that we can interact online. You don't need to travel 10,000 kilometers to come to a place where you do yoga. Of course, it's still a tropical, wonderful place, paradise. You can meet friends. You can live in a community, it, you can be exclusively focused on your yoga, so it's good to take it whenever you can take it. But on the other hand, Agama is coming to your house, Agama is coming in your living room via the internet, 
as I am doing now. And uh, because of this, you can be connected, you can ask questions, you can receive answers, you can restart or boost your spiritual practice, especially because humanity needs a lot of good energies right now because of all this paranoia and crisis and everything, because of the astrological negativities which have happened, because of other social trends which have disturbed severely the spiritual environment on this planet. And because of you, of this, uh, you need your own spiritual practice more than ever. The world needs your spiritual practice more than ever. That's why those of you who have aspiration, focus, 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 light the fire, stoke the fire even stronger, kindle it, rekindle it if necessary, and let's be together on this spiritual activity. Let's be together in this spiritual adventure where you are taking care of your spiritual evolution. Do not forget the fundamental truths that you have learned in Agama and in spirituality. We are here as incarnated souls on this planet, in this world, so that we perfect our evolution. We are part of an educational program. We grow up from baboons and orangutans, which we often are, to God, to demigods, gods, and eventually spiritual beings, spiritual masters, going into the higher planes of the universe, going to Shambhala, going to other places of light. And this evolution is a thing divided, or decided, better, even better said, decided by God. It is not our decision if we evolve or we don't evolve. We are bound to evolve by living a series of multiple lives. And uh, the intelligent people in spirituality, they have said, if not now, when? Then if evolution is the law of the world, let's evolve now. So do yoga. Do Tantra, do meditation, do Kashmiri Shaivas, study astrology, do whatever we are teaching in our school or what other teachers and schools are teaching in their schools. Do everything so that you can elevate yourself, so that you can emancipate yourself, so that you can become higher and higher spirits. Improve your morality improve your ethics, improve your compassion, improve your love, improve your knowledge, and reach as much as possible to the levels where you can be considered, not because the others would consider, but because where you are, great souls, Mahatmas, as Mahatma Gandhi was called like that, because precisely, because he manifested the signs of a great soul and the people in India who are used to yogis and other spiritual seekers, they identified him immediately. 
He said, although this man looks like a social activist and is close to politics, nevertheless, essentially, he is a great soul. We are all here on this planet to become at least great souls or more than that. If you have the aspiration to grow up, then I hope Agama can be of service to you and give you the tools and the assistance and the knowledge for this spiritual growth. May we be together in this process. May we meet with each other gloriously in the end of this process, in the graduation in our success. May you have a good uh, season now in December with all the spiritual celebration of Christmas and all the good energy which is poured there, and of course with the great, great phenomenon of the new year. If you'll follow the new year retreat, we will give there uh, lectures in which we'll explain once again what's happening during this collective mass meditations, like the meditation on the New Year's Eve. And uh, I hope that we see more freedom in this world, and I hope we see each other again, and I hope you'll fall, you'll you'll follow the call which exists in your heart for uh, discovering the truth about this reality. In the end, we can see that when things are distillated and when we look at the final results, Agama is a great school as our students are saying, probably one of the best yogas in the world, which is giving a splendid knowledge of what is to be done, how it is to be done. So even people who have chosen other spiritual paths on the face of this earth, and who nowadays might be in some Tibetan monastery or in some Zen dojo, uh, they still testify to their gratitude to Agama, because Agama has given them the knowledge to understand exactly what they are doing, how they are doing, what the parameters are. So let us be together in this spiritual adventure. I think it will be enough for tonight for our first meeting. We have uh, remembered some of the events of this uh, turbulent year. Now we are starting a new season. If everything goes okay, I hope that next Thursday we can have another satsang. And uh, feel free to write to our teaching department or to the school registration and uh, propose what themes you are interested uh, both next week and uh, the next season coming. And uh, then uh, we will have a lot of lectures during the Christmas and New Year retreat. Next week, again, that means on 24th of December. And after the Christmas and the New Year retreat, as soon as possible, probably the first week after, we will start with more of our satsangs. And uh, if possible, even the Q&A sessions will be transmitted somehow, somewhere. This uh, online technology is actually a great gift, and we hope to use it in a very constructive way. Namaste to all of you. Thank you for joining tonight in this satsang, and I hope to see you all along the path.